Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Speakers. Southwestern Speakers is comprised of top producing thought leaders, authors, and experts who deliver dynamic presentations that shift the hearts and minds of audiences worldwide. Our team of experienced agents can guide you to find the right speaker for your annual conferences, meetings, and events, providing outstanding service from start to finish. Southwestern Speakers goes above and beyond to elevate your event and offers additional programs to extend the impact of our speaker's presentation long after they have left the stage. We are excited to share our guest with you today. Brian Byro is America's breakthrough coach. A major client described him best when he said, Brian has the energy of a 10-year-old, the enthusiasm of a 20-year-old, and the wisdom of a 75-year-old. Brian has delivered over 1,800 presentations around the world over the last 30 years. The author of 14 books, including his bestseller, Beyond Success, and his brand new, The ROI of Kindness, Brian was rated number one from over 40 speakers at four consecutive Inc. Magazine International Conferences. With degrees from Stanford University and UCLA, Brian has appeared on Good Morning America and CNN. Brian was recently named one of the top 100 most inspirational graduates in the 75-year history of the UCLA Graduate School of Business. He was also honored as one of the top 10 interactive keynote speakers in North America and one of the top 60 motivational speakers in the world. Enjoy this episode. Well, everyone, welcome to the Action Catalyst, in particular, welcome to Brian Byro. Brian, welcome to the show today. Dan, I'm so excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I know you have been a visitor here to our offices in Nashville, and you led many people through a breakthrough experience, literally a breakthrough experience involving wooden boards. Would you mind if we just kick it off right away and describe what that's about, what people gain from that? Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm thrilled that I'm known as America's Breakthrough Coach, and I've had almost a half a million people over the last 30 years have a, a real-life breakthrough experience. Uh, what I want to do is get people off the sidelines and into the game, and the, I have them break through one-inch thick boards karate style. Now, it's not just for the fun of it, though it's the most fun thing ever. It is, it is the most powerful combination individual and team breakthrough experience. Um, the individual part is a metaphor. So I have everyone write on their board something they want to break through in their life, a limit, fear, obstacle, habit, or doubt. Uh, it could be something they're good at, but they plateaued. So I've had people bring their families back together from that breakthrough. I've had people overcome cancer. I've had people radically change their careers, be better moms and dads. So the individual part is related to the meaning. Um, there's a second aspect to the individual impact, though, and that is if we had 500 people breaking boards, we'd start with 50 circles of 10 people each. And if, if you were in one of those circles, Dan, everyone around you going, Dan, 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 50 people at a time, music going. Some people have never been cheered for in their lives. And when they are getting cheered for, for many people, that is such a powerful 
unforgettable, changing experience. So the individual part is related to that meaning and that unconditional support. The team part is equally powerful because there's just something about it. You'll never see people cheer like they cheer in this breakthrough experience. I've done uh, 94 events for Lockheed Martin. These are rocket scientists. Yes, they are. And, and, and there's tears and emotion and the, the cheering. It just We want each other to break through. Um, but it goes further. And I think the, the greatest part of the team experience, the best way I could describe it is the best day of my life was my daughter's wedding day. And it was for something I never could have imagined until I actually experienced it. And that was for a good six hours on her wedding day. I didn't think of myself once. All I could do was think of her. Uh, They tell me I was laughing and crying at the same time. I don't remember either. All I remember was her. And when you're cheering, people are going, Dan, Dan, Dan. You get to feel the way I felt on my daughter's wedding day when you're supporting a person that way. So um, it's, it's uh, I, I've done it. I mentioned uh, earlier, I've done it 1900 times, half a million people, and I can't wait to do it again. It's because it takes people and it gives them the opportunity to apply the very principles that I am so passionate about in a way that gets them to realize they can do things they didn't know you could they could do. And that's really what the breakthrough is. You don't know you can do it until you do it. And that's what life is, is approaching those, those fears. And really, although I've had a half a million people break boards, they're all the same breakthrough. You break through from fear to love, and that's it. I think it's phenomenal. Now, what is it in your background that has prepared you to be able to help so many people from so many diverse organizations? I mean, you've worked with military all the way down to service organizations that help the people that can't help themselves and everything in between. Can you share some of those key pivot points in your life with us, Brian? Oh, yes. Um, you know, well, I've always loved people, Dan. That's that's first and foremost. And uh, when I, I went to Stanford when I was a young man and, and I was a public school boy, so I had to find a way to put myself through school. And um, I, I started teaching and coaching swimming. I was a college and high school swimmer and, and um, I loved it. So my first career, I became a uh, United States swimming coach and I was working with young people and which is really such a great opportunity to help help people rise to the potential because you don't really coach swimming, you coach people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my first training ground. And there was a pivot point that really, really shaped the whole direction of my life when I was a coach. And that was, I grew up like a lot of people my age uh, with a dad who was a, a great guy, but not easy to give a lot of compliments. I always wanted him to be proud of me. And, and it was not easy for him to ever show any appreciation any 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 of that pride in me or any of that uh you know compliments and and uh, he certainly had a hard time saying he, that he you know loved me and that sort of thing so um as a result of that i sort of created a drive where i i wanted to be the best at whatever i did and one day it hit me that that driving to be the best was tearing me apart because it was all about comparison Um, And when you want to be the best, you're driven by this need for approval. And the need for approval is never, you can never satisfy it. It's never enough. And one day, this was the pivot point. It was a pivot from one word to one other word. I shift from the drive to be the best to the desire to be my best. And so I stopped comparing. And that was such a transformation. Um, before that transformation, before I had that pivot from the best to my best, I was not fun to play with because I had to beat you. 
Mm. Afterwards, I could be a great, a great competitor, have fun. And I actually did better. So that was really a huge pivot point in coaching. Um, the only reason I'm probably not still a coach, a swimming coach was because I had no life. So this, the second pivot was the desire to create balance in my life. Um, the average American father today spends nine and a half to 10 and a half hours a day on a digital or cellular device and less than eight minutes a day in interaction with his children. Hmm. Well, I didn't even have eight minutes. I had no children. I, my life was my, my coaching. And so I'm probably the only guy, you know, Dan, who went to graduate school to get a life instead of a job. <laughs> I love it. And I did. And so I went in the corporate world, um, worked in, uh, in and became an executive vice president of a large transportation company. And then another pivot point, I realized I didn't love transportation. I love people. Mm. And I started doing team building in my own organization. And we had an incredible turnaround, just a phenomenal success story. And at the peak of that, I said to my wife, honey, we're doing great. Let's quit. I want to <laughs> go, go do this. And uh, so now for the last 30 years, um, I've been a speaker and an author and love every minute of it. But it was really that, that transformation, that simple that simple, subtle shift from this compulsion to try to be the best, which was all about comparing myself to others and the need for approval, to a, a passion to seek to be my best, where I don't compare myself. I just reach in and try to grow each day and learn. And that way, there is no failure. It's what can I learn? How can I get better? Mm -hmm. And also, there's not really a finish line. That's right. Each day you have a chance to, to grow more. Um, it's really you know, tied, tied into something that I'm, I'm so passionate about teaching because I think we need it more than ever. And it's called humility. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being humble doesn't mean you can't have confidence. You can have great confidence, be quite humble. Because being humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less. less. But the reason why humility is so crucial, I think, to really... Um, moving beyond mediocrity to being the best you can be to being to being a, a really a, a a constant learner is because only those who are humble are are lifelong learners because you always feel there's more to learn and there's and that everyone around you is a teacher every every moment has within it the opportunity to discover things that can help you grow from where you were before so having that kind of moving finish line um, when you come from that place of not uh, not comparing yourself to others you can feel good in the moment. Hey, this was a good, I did my best today. I feel good, but always be hungry to get better tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, I can really understand how UCLA's Graduate School of Business would name you among their most inspirational graduates of all time. Oh, that's, thanks. An, that's an unusual accolade, but I can tell why it's very well deserved. Well, thanks. It was, it was one of those moments when you don't really when you don't seek to, to go get something and it comes to you, um, when I heard about that, I was, I was stunned and, and uh, just, you know, absolutely delighted and honored because uh, I think it was an award that came from, from just doing what I love to do. When you love to do, you're constantly inspired. Yeah, that is absolutely true. It's fantastic. Now, it would be easy for some listeners to think as they look at your amazing career, all the books you've written, the lives you've changed, the awards, accolades, success you've had be easy to think you never once hit a brick wall. But I know better. You are bound to hit some brick walls where you couldn't see around them, over them, under them, no way to get through them. What, uh, what have you developed over the years as an attitude when you hit a really unexpected blow or obstacle like that? Well, I think the most powerful, simple principle, and it's guided me through the hardest times of my life, for sure, is the simple belief that within every adversity is planted the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. 
In other words, the toughest things we've ever made our way through are the things from which we grow the most. Um, and I think that that simple belief combined with a, a passion and a belief that we are in charge of our own energy are the two keys that have helped me through the toughest times. And I'll, I'll share with you probably the toughest one in, in my life. Um, and that was, um, uh, I have two beautiful daughters. My wife and I have been married. Um, uh, we'll come to our 35th year this year. Great. Um, and um, when my young, a few years ago, my youngest daughter, whose name is Jenna, had a, um, a horrible tragedy happen in her life. And it was that the man that she wanted to marry um, was found dead from a drug overdose. Mm. And it, it tore her apart. Uh, my daughter was a, just a lovely soul, bright, sunshiny, cared so much about people. And, and it just ripped her heart. And, and the world was dark and it was dark for all of us. It was a hard time. Um, we had always been a joyous family, lots of laughter, uh, lots of affection. And for a while it, it was darkness and, and I wanted to fix it and I couldn't. Um, I knew she had to find her way and a couple of things transpired. One day she was able to say to me, daddy, I can't take you worrying about me all the time. Hmm. And the truth was, I wasn't worrying about her all the time, but I was, I'm not a worrier. And I was worrying about her a lot. And that was like a cold bucket of water on my head to make me realize that I still had a choice. I had a choice to choose fear or faith. Hmm. And I had been choosing fear. Worry is fear about what has not happened yet. And instantly she woke me up that I still had a choice. I could either focus that she's going to find her way, that within this adversity, she'll find some benefit somewhere. Or I could keep focusing on the fear. And the second I made that transmission tran transition because of her, our relationship started to brighten again. Um, today, she is a shining light. Um, she is more joyous and beautiful and happy than ever. She's chosen love over loss. She's chosen peace over pain. She's chosen faith over fear. And for the longest time, I was having trouble trying to figure out you know, I believe that in every adversity is planted the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Well, what possibly could be the benefit from yeah. such a tragedy? And I know it now. And there is one. It's not the way you'd want to get it. But here's, here's the benefit. My daughter, Jenna, now knows she can handle anything. Anything that comes at her in this world. She's already been through what's been as hard as it can be for her. And we have together. So we know that we'll get through and we know that there is still joy on the other side. We know uh, we, can, we can handle even the biggest adversity. So that belief, that shift in focus from fear to faith um, is really the, the essence of how you deal with those because we're going to hit them. We're going to hit those brick walls. We're going we're gonna to hit those boards in our life right in front of us, those obstacles and fears. And uh, knowing that we are in charge of our energy, knowing that we can always make the choice that that we have the choice to choose faith, we'll find our way. Yeah. You know, Brian, I wasn't counting, but you must have used the word choice two dozen times as you were relating that story. <laughs> choice is a very empowering word because it is something that each one of us has control over. Choice is absolutely not something external. It's internal. And obviously you believe that. I truly believe it. And when you think about it, Dan, there's only th one thing we don't have a choice at, and that's dying. Everything else is a matter of choice. And when I get right down to it, what I do as a professional speaker as an author is I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the business of helping people recognize they do have a choice. You have a choice. 
you don't have a choice of what happens to you, but you have a choice of how you deal with what happens. Mm-hmm. You have a choice about your attitude. You have a choice about your energy. You have a choice about being present with others. And those are the foundational choices that, that will either lead you to joy or despair, you know, to fear or to freedom. And so um, if I can help people recognize that, guess what? You do have a choice. Um, Jenna, for a while, didn't recognize that choice. She thought her choices have been taken away. But her joy has come when she's rediscovered the fact that she really does. That's an inspirational, very personal story. So thank you for sharing that. Best to you and your whole family. Thank you. you. I I work primarily with college students here in our core business. And they always talk about, I have to study. I have to go to class. And one of the things I tell them is, you know, there's only two things you have to do. You have to die someday and you have to live with yourself until then. That's beautiful. And And so the things we do, we have to live with. And that's where choice comes in. That's right. And you want to shift your language, too, because every time you say you have to, that really comes from when you were a little kid. And when you're a little kid, you know, you were told you were have to, you know, your parents want to take care of you. And so you have to do this. But there's two other words attached to have to. And when they're little, you hear them a lot. As you get older, you don't hear them, but they're there. And those two words attached to have to are or else. Or else. Or else something bad's going to happen to you. So you know, when you shift that language and every time, you know, I sometimes uh, I'm working with people, I, I hear them say, I have to do this. I have to do that. And instead of saying, well, what if you shifted it to, I want to choose to like to love to can't wait to. Um, and that means that you're, you are exercising your choice. Um, because as you said, you put it perfectly. Um, there's only those two things you have to do and just shifting that, making that awareness come to your life. Wow. It makes every day an, a, a joyous adventure, uh, uh, an exciting, an exciting uh, uh, trek to find out what what more you can discover in that day, and that should be a want to, choose to, love to, like to. I love that so much. What about uh, you mentioned your each day? Do you have a daily routine to start your day, Brian? Is there a habit pattern? I do. That's really neat. That's a neat question. Um, the first thing uh, that I do is I ask myself what I think is the most powerful question you can ask yourself to start a day. And everyone who's uh, tuned into this podcast, I hope you'll start doing this. First thing you wake up in the morning, I ask myself, what am I truly grateful about in my life? What am I truly grateful about in my life? You know, the word has a secret in it, especially if you're not real good at spelling. Okay. What you're grateful about has within it the capacity when focused upon the power to make you grateful. Mm-hmm. What you're grateful about focuses on your priorities, your priorities are your pathway to purpose. So starting number one is my, my first thing I do is, is, is I, I start with that attitude of gratitude. And there was actually a book that was called Power Versus Force. And it studied the frequency of emotions. Since we're electrical beings, we have a frequency that, is, that is shines through us versus, uh, and, uh, according to each emotion. And the highest frequency emotion is gratitude. So when you are in gratitude, there's no, there's no room to, to feel anything but joyous. Um, so that's where I start. Then um, I'm very much a believer that um, we don't get older, we just stop moving. And so um, a big part of my uh, starting day is I get up, I'm an early riser and I get out and I exercise. Usually now more, I, walk, I, near, I live near a lake and I walk and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of running through ideas in my mind. I'm, I'm, preparing for my next presentation. So I've started with gratitude. I've started with movement and energy. Um, and that really is the, the foundation of, of each day. I mean, I, I can't wait for, for the next day to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's so fantastic. 
we've we've asked this question of many people and most people that are real givers and real contributors they begin the day with that first thought of i am grateful i got another day Absolutely. and it's fantastic to hear that now i know that you often speak about what you call the secret behind the secrets now that is as mysterious and compelling and interesting <laughs> a statement as i've ever heard so can you share that with us absolutely um if there is one gift I want to give to every person that I can ever meet. And one thing that I teach that I think is more foundationally important than any other, it is the simple principle that I call the secret behind the secrets called being fully present. When you're fully present, that means when you're with somebody, 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with the person you're with where they are now. It's so important, I'll say it again. When you're fully present, 100% of your mind, body, and spirit is with the person you're with where they are now. Now, people listen to this. How many times have you ever been with somebody where you know their body's present, but the rest of them is in some other county? You know, and, <laughs> and, and, and here's the big question. How does it make you feel when someone you wish to be fully present with you is not fully present with you? How does it make you feel when somebody you really want to connect with is obviously much more interested in peeking at their cell phone than they are at really connecting with you? For some people, it makes them angry. For some, it just makes them sad. Mm-hmm. But for every human being I've ever known, even the most confident people I know, if there's someone we really want to be present with us and they're not fully present with us, it makes us feel worth less. It makes us feel insignificant and unimportant. And I I have a deep belief that every one of us are what I call a breakthrough leader, that we are all leaders because leadership is just a matter of making decisions. It's that choice thing again. And the most important job of a breakthrough leader is to help the people that we care about to know they're important, to know they matter, to know they count. And the only way you can do that at a foundational base level is to be fully present. Because when you're fully present, you say to that person, you matter. You count. Uh, you really, you really are important, and you can't fake being fully present. You know, people know it instantly when you when you're just kind of drifting your mind away. Um, I have a quick little story about about how powerful that can be. Um, when in my corporate career, when I became the vice president general manager of this real large training company, um, I inherited a director of operations who had the coolest name ever. Her name was Raffaella Regina Rossi. We called her R three, <laughs> and um, she had a lot of talent, but when I took over, she was she she harbored a lot of ill feelings towards me. And the reason was I had replaced somebody she had been very loyal to. And somehow she construed that it was my doing. It really wasn't, but that's the way that she took it. Now, we pretended that we were getting along okay. And you know how well that went. Everybody knew what was going on. Our team was floundering. We were getting nothing done. For a while, I tried all the stuff I thought you were supposed to do as the leader. I I gave her compliments. That didn't work. I gave her space. That didn't work. I gave her direction. That didn't work. Finally, I remembered my job, your job, our job. My job was to be fully present. My job was to help Raphael and know that she was important. So I asked her to come in my office one day. I was dead dirt honest with her. I said, Raffaella, our team is floundering because I haven't been a good enough leader to find a way for you and I to break through. And so I asked you to come into this office today for, for something that I know at first sounds sort of unorthodox, but I really have a reason. And I said, if you will allow me for 10 minutes, I will just listen to you. Um, I will not argue. I will not interrupt. I will not uh, defend. I will not ask. I will just listen, not just with my ears, but with every ounce of me. All right. And you have a free pass. You can say whatever you want, however you want to say it. All I ask is at the end of those 10 minutes that you do the same for me. 
And I said, would you try? <laughs> and Dan, I'll never forget her answer. She, Raffaella said, Brian, I don't think I could talk for 10 minutes. <laughs> I, said, I said, Raffaella, we just, we just got to find a way to break through. And she wanted it better. So finally, kind of reluctantly, she said, okay, I'll try. An hour later, she stopped talking. And in that hour, I was true to my word. I just listened. I was fully present. And in that hour, she not only transformed our relationship, she transformed our team. She realized she had not been fair to me. She realized that if we put our energies together, we'd be pretty amazing. And most of all, she realized how much she loved the work we should be doing, but weren't doing because we were caught up in this stuff. (laughs) When we left that room after that hour for the next six months, we got more done in the next six months than in the previous three years. The, the energy in our team was off the map. People were so synergized, having so much fun. Uh, to this day, way over 30 years later, she's one of my best friends. Even though, Dan, she still owes me 10 minutes. I never got my 10 minutes. <laughs> but, but in that time of just listening, not once was I thinking about what I was going to say next. I was just listening. I was just present. And that said to her, what matters? You, you're important. You matter. You count. You know, if I could give a gift to the parents who are on uh, on this podcast, please do this to your children. Please be present with your children. Um, the, what matters in life is the moments that you're fully present because that's when you express to every person that they really are important. When people feel important, they rise. Mm-hmm. When people feel important, they shine. When people feel unimportant, they feel taken for granted and they drop away. So that's the secret behind the secret. And when you do that, relationship is so natural, so automatic. It's rapport is automatic. Um, it's just a matter of being conscious. And again, it's a choice. So let's give you all your, all your uh, attendees uh, an assignment. If you want to change your life, here's what I encourage you to do. For the next 30 days, pick out two people in your life, just two to start with, one at work, one at home, who for 30 days you commit to be more fully present with. Now, it doesn't mean you have to spend more time with them. You may actually have less time. But when you're with them, put the phone down. When you're at home, shut off the television. Ask instead of tell. And then listen before you think of what you're going to say next. Um, you watch. After a few days with those two people, they're going to look at you differently. Go, you've been working out. You're looking good. <laughs> you become present with those two, it'll start to become your present habit. And being uh, not being present is a habit. That's what it is. got to replace it with a better one. Well, I think one of the enemies to that, almost everybody carries in their pocket. Absolutely. Uh, when I work with college students, I say, I can teach you how to get better at human nature and it'll only take you one finger. You use it to swipe to power off. That is brilliant. That and is so brilliant. Simply spend that time. And it's uh, it's important. I'm, I've got three children that are vary from 35 to almost 30. They all grew up with technology. And yet, as we pour into them with just attention, they respond. And it doesn't Absolutely. matter if you're born with it or not. You can all get better at it. And your Absolutely. message is so powerful. It's so funny that you said that. When my daughters were eight and three, my daughters' names are Kelsey and Jenna. One night, see, I, I teach this stuff. It's, it's, it's in my heart. And yet sometimes we know what to do, but we don't do what we know. Mm-hmm. And we had moved um, to, a, to the mountains so that when I wasn't on the road speaking, I would be fully present. But I was so caught up in my life, in my career, that um, when I was supposed to be tucking them in at night, I'd be caught up on some phone call because this was kind of before there was a lot of email. Well, one night they decided to wake dad up and they crawled under my, they came into my office. My little one crawled up in my lap. She was three years old. 
my oldest daughter, Kelsey, put her arms around me. They looked at me and they changed my life. Hmm. And they said, Daddy, before we go to sleep tonight, can we just ask you something? I said, well, what is it, girls? And it shook my heart. And they said, Daddy, we just want to know, do you love your phone more than you love us? Ooh. Yeah. I felt the blade go in. Yeah. See, Emerson said, what you do, scream so loudly, I can't hear a word you're saying. And I was living my life, and this was before cell phones. I was living my life as if my phone was more important than my daughter's. Well, I will tell you, I tucked them in that night. I never missed another night when I was home. I got them up for school. I never missed one of their dance recitals. I set my calendar by them. And here's the, here's the fun part, Dan. That's when my career took off. You don't do less by being present with the people you love. You do more. Because you develop the muscle, the habit of being present. And that happens in every relationship, both professionally and personally. No coincidence, none of my books got written until my daughters shook my heart, woke me up. Um, and from that day forward, that's been my goal in life, um, is to be more fully present each and every day. Uh, am I where I want to be yet? Nope. Do I get better every day? Do I focus on it? Yep. Will I ever give up? Never. I love it. I love it. I'm going to ask if we can can wrap with a, an important question. You know, we have lots of listeners from different situations in their lives. Some are on top of their world right now. Some can't see up because the world's on top of them. What what advice would you give to somebody who has hit such a set of setbacks that they they look at the hand they've been dealt? There's not even a face card, let alone an ace. Their support's been withdrawn. Funding has left them. Uh, issue with their family. What what? How would you encourage the discouraged? Wow, that's a wonderful question. And, and I think we've, we've talked a lot about the answers, so it's kind of pulling them together. Starting place is to recognize, even in the darkest moment, like when I told the story of my daughter, Jenna, you still have a choice. And the choice and the big choices are you going to focus on fear or faith? Um, fear means you worry. Fear means you focus on what's wrong. Uh, in, the, in the metaphor of my board breaking, it's focusing on the board. Um, when we break the boards, we write on both sides of the boards. On the front of the board, we write the obstacle. But on the back of board, the board, we write the magic. We write down what's waiting for me when I have broken through. And what am I going to do, be, feel, create, have in my life because I've moved beyond that obstacle. And that's exactly what those who are down must do. Almost everyone is mesmerized by the obstacle. We focus on what we don't want. So starting places recognize you have a choice between fear and faith. Next is that what you focus on is not what you get. What you focus on is what you create. So focus on what you want to create. And then the last three things that go together. Number one, when you're feeling the most down, be the most grateful. Um, Think, even if it's the littlest thing, that your feet hit the ground this morning, that you've, you've had some love in your life at some time, that you, that you are able to move. Start on little things, but focus on being grateful about the little things. Um, if you want to receive, you've got to learn to give. Um, and then two, take charge of your energy. See, most people think their energy is like the weather. Like, I hope the weather's good for the family trip this spring. But your energy is your choice. And there's two ways you cultivate energy. Number one, change the way you move. Instantly, if you sit up, you smile, you open your eyes, you'll feel your body change instantly and your spirit change with it. Number two, focus on a purpose. Um, if anytime you're full of purpose, you're full of energy. Um, and you ever notice when you don't have, when you get to do what you love to do, it doesn't matter how much sleep you had, you're full of energy. 
When you lose sight of your purpose, it's like somebody puts a big old pin in it. So focus on purpose, focus on movement. Remember to, every day to be grateful for even the smallest things. Right? And most of all, recognize that what you focus on is what you create. And you have a choice about what you focus on. That is a handbook for living. Brian, I'm amazed. I, I feel as though I'm with you in person, not just through this connection. And uh, I feel of the same all way. Of us, I feel so grateful for what you shared. It's real. It's from you. It's from a higher power. And it means a great deal. So thank you so much for what you shared in the Action Catalyst. Thank you, Dan. It's been an honor and a privilege. And I love the work that you're doing. Well, this is super. And by the way, everybody, I've just received a copy of Brian's latest book. It's called The ROI of Kindness, co-authored with our good friend, Mac Anderson, who's also been a guest here and is a colleague. It is about the hidden quality of kindness and the power it has to transform organizations, individuals, and the world itself. So thank you. I've already started reading it. And guess what, everybody? It reads the same way this dude talks. <laughs> so that should be a teaser right there. So thank you again for all that you do. Thanks, Dan. It was, it was a total joy. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.